1: Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals.
2: Three cheers for His
3: Majesty
1: the King. Wow, Roberta, God save
0: the King. New intro alert, new intro alert. Yeah, that is weird. I don't feel like I'm used to it yet and I might not ever be. I miss our old intro. Can we go back? (laughs) Real changing of the guard there. And welcome to another episode of Royally Obsessed for all the royal news you need to know. We have a lot coming up, but first, I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com. You can also shop sweatshirts and totes. There's a cold snap all over right now, it feels like
1: everywhere yeah. is freezing. And is that what you call it a cold snap? I've actually never heard that. Really? Why yeah. what's wrong with me? Why haven't I heard that? But that, I like that. I'm gonna use it in Early conversation winter, all week.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely really chilly here. So it's for your here. royal yeah.
1: sweatshirts at
0: shop.royallyobsessed.com. Rachel, we have a
1: big episode and a exciting guest today. Very, very exciting. I I made it like a theme where I'm like R and R, Roberta and Rachel are talking about Remembrance Day, the Regency Act. Rothies. More details about our Boston event for Earthshot. Um, but we also are joined by Andrew Morton, who has a brand new book out, The Queen, Her Life. He is popping by the podcast. Uh, he joined us, I guess, last time in 2020, uh, but to talk about his new book, The Crown, and so much more. But Roberta, what are we sipping?
4: And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. Well, to
0: get us through all that, we are sipping a Thanksgiving cocktail. This is something I made last... Thanksgiving, and I highly recommend it because it's so easy. All it is is champagne and a splash of cranberry juice for the morning of making all the foods. Do you have fun plans for next week, Rachel?
1: I actually was just about to say to you, I'm in denial that it's Thanksgiving next week. I think maybe because it's been so warm, that cold snap is making me feel more in the in the spirit. Nice but use, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to... <laughs> thanks. I'm going to Massachusetts. What about you? I'm
0: going to North Carolina. I'm so excited. We rented a place in the Highlands, so it's Cashiers, North Carolina. It's going to be beautiful and chilly. I have to pack all my winter weather gear, so I can't Who's wait. You there? Who my, are you going to? My with your family? family,
1: yeah, my mom and dad, oh, and um, love niece
0: and nephew, and brother and sister-in-law, the whole gang. So it'll be great.
1: Ah. Oh. I can't wait to hear about cozy. it. That sounds so dreamy actually. North and Carolina we will be for Thanksgiving. Cranberry mimosas, I guess you could call Ooh. it. So
0: cheers, Rachel. All the royal
1: refreshment cheers. photos, please. Um Taking a All sip. right, cheers. Well, we wanted to talk about this DM from Catherine. She wrote us to say, I live outside of Boston. I would love to join you for the Royal Earthshot event on Newbury Street with fellow Roro's. I used to live in London and went to UCL where I met Kate Middleton. I will send photos and a video. I am writing a book about my time there. I hope to meet you both. Your podcast is a joy once a week. When will I be able to RSVP for the event? Well, first, the photo and video is delightful. You see Kate kind of walking into an event and engagement there. I always
0: forget how tall she is. She's, She's so, so tall, incredibly tall, and so regal. I think, and in that being Burgundy tall makes code, you regal. Yeah. So I'm the least regal person. <laughs>
1: Definitely same over here, 5'2", coming in strong. Um, but Catherine, we wanted to tell you on the podcast and all of our listeners that we officially have details. The Eventbrite will be live by the time this episode comes onto your phones and to wherever you hear your podcast. But we are officially hosting an event at the Rothie's Boutique on Newbury Street on December 1st from 6 to 8 p.m. We will also be joined by a dear friend of the podcast, Elizabeth Holmes, for a short Q&A. There'll be lots of fun, lots of just royal refreshments, speaking of, and food and surprise and delight, and we can just toast to Kate and William all together, but limited capacity. Anything else you'd add, Roberta? I mean, get your tickets today. I feel like it will sell out,
0: and we're so excited Elizabeth is joining us. And lots of other people will have such a wonderful time toasting and celebrating the royals in the U.S. and the first time in eight years. Wales is. I cannot wait. Get your tickets today before they sell out. I really think they're going to sell out.
1: Yeah. I'm just, I'm just so excited about this. I can't wait to all be together. And then also, you know, try to figure out how we can watch Earthshot as well or attend or just share our experience. Yes. Royal history. What's going on?
4: And
0: now this week in Royal history, we're fact-checking episode four of The Crown, Honest Heribulus. Of course, this episode covers all of the kids' divorces, but also the Windsor Fire, which took place November 20th, 1992. The Queen's Honest Horribles was, of course, that year, 1992. The fire was started with a faulty spotlight that was being used for renovation of the private chapel at Windsor Castle. It sparked a flame that caused a 19-foot curtain to catch fire. The chapel was completely incinerated. It was destroyed very quickly. Interestingly, Andrew was first on the scene, which isn't really shown in the episode. Um, I just watched it. Actually, I'm I'm on that one, and so. But the Queen was also there, and the blaze destroyed 115 rooms, nine staterooms, which is mentioned in the episode. A tower collapsed. The roof is destroyed. Windsor is, of course, the oldest occupied castle. It's 850 years old. Incredible, and. Amazingly, although all of this destruction took place, I mean, over a hundred rooms, it was the art was mostly preserved. There were only two pieces of art that were destroyed. The collection at Windsor includes pieces by Da Vinci, by Michelangelo, by Van Dyke. So, really, just kind of a miracle that it was able to be put out, even though it took fifteen hours. Wow! The total destruction cost seventy million dollars in today's dollars. It was mostly funded by admissions to Buckingham Palace, ticket prices. And we know, of course, that the Queen did give that speech that's mentioned in the Crown four days later after the fire. It was the speech was at a Guildhall luncheon in honor of her 40th year on the throne. And here are a couple excerpts from that.
3: 1992 is not a year on which I shall look back with undiluted pleasure. In the words of one of my more sympathetic correspondents, it has turned out to be an Annus Horribilis. I sometimes wonder how future generations will judge the events of this tumultuous year. I dare say that history will take a slightly more moderate view than that of some contemporary commentators. He who has never failed to reach perfection has a right to be the harshest critic. There can be no doubt, of course, that criticism is good for people and institutions that are part of public life. No institution, city, monarchy, whatever, should expect to be free from the scrutiny of those who give it their loyalty and support.
0: I think wow. that's where the crown really shines. Is we get to see behind closed doors the speech being written and what the reaction of certain family members are, like the queen mother who tells her not to be this emotional in her speech and tells her to kind of never apologize.
1: But but that's the part that's inferred, right? That's the dramatization of exactly. We don't know what happened, and yeah.
0: that's the beauty of it, I think, because you get to see more more layers to something like this. And of course, it's all dramatized, like you said, and it's made up. But I think that Peter Morgan's true to more so the context of the history going on. And so we know, you know, you can hear her in her voice that she's struggling, that she was fighting a cold, but also that she had been near the fire watching her house basically burn down. Yeah. And had, you know, suffered some smoke inhalation and things like that. So I also want to shout out two honorable mentions for this week in royal history. Prince Charles's birthday, of course. He turned 74 this week. And Princess Anne's wedding on the same day to Captain Mark Phillips, which, of course, ended in divorce. There's a few other things. Keaton Williams' engagement
1: anniversary. There's actually a lot going There's on this There's a lot time this week. I know, I know. I was just going to jump back to one second about that speech, though. I was going to say I do feel like when you have those glimmers of – emotion from the queen or you hear in her own words like I feel like the number of times we've spoken of her defining that year as the Anis heriblis. I just wish we had more of that because I think she yeah. s- was so insightful and had a lot of ways of looking at things where she wasn't thinking that she was immune to criticism things like that that just would have really been illuminating and I think in- insightful and something we would have enjoyed to hear more from her on very humanizing to hear
0: that and very humanizing to hear someone go through what so many of us go through on a daily basis i mean family troubles you know personal troubles i think that that's where we feel as royal watchers most connected to them so yeah it's the glimmers
1: of relatability yeah Let's talk about Remembrance Day. I just feel like November is on this fast moving pace for me. I'm just not, I couldn't believe it was already time for that. Even Charles's birthday, it just has taken me by surprise. Flew but this by. past weekend, we saw the Royals out. Um, this is an occasion meant to remember the fallen soldiers who have served the Commonwealth. And for the first time in <laughs> decades, seven decades, we saw this led by Charles and Camilla. I'm kind of describing him and, you know, we're just we just talked about the Queen's speech, but I feel like Charles is kind of the emotional king for me. We're seeing just a lot more of that public. Um, you know, I think he teared up at the service. A lot of people that were there remarked. Um, I just think we're seeing that human side of him a little bit more than we did of the queen, which is a nice, I think, not not to slight the queen, but it was it's a nice change, I think. Um on that note, it has been two months since she passed and her absence is just staggering to me every time we see these occasions that have become a little bit rinse repeat for the royals over the years i'm just struck always by her absence and you know the last time we saw her was 2020 i went back to the photos roberta remember it was the first time she wore a mask during the pandemic or was pictured Mm -hmm. with a mask Mm -hmm. so striking that angela kelly black one with the white Mm -hmm. piping yeah So, Saturday night, we saw Charles, Camilla, Kate, William, Anne, and Edward, and Sophie. They participated in the Royal British Legion Festival of Remembrance. Great to see them. The conversation was a lot on Kate's repeat outfit. This self-portrait chiffon blazer dress. She had lots of jewelry touches and um, tributes to the Queen. Her pearl earrings, which were a gift to Her Majesty on her wedding day in 1947. Also, um, the diamond choker, the four strands that she wore to the Queen's funeral. I can't get over the self-portrait dress because Kate has worn it so many times. She wore it to the Hold silver reception, which we really wish we had been able to be a fly on the wall for that. Do you remember? It was yeah, like, oh, really, I totally they shared remember. a couple snaps yes. and I loved the self-portrait dress back then. Also the Jubilee party at the palace. Beatrice also has the same dress in black. And I was reading and also wondering, did you think that Beatrice maybe loaned it to Kate?
0: I don't know. I mean, Kate, that it fit her so well the blazer and everything that I feel like it had to be
1: tailored specifically to her. But maybe they tailored it. That, maybe that it was just be. like that a total shift. So maybe it really was this continued sustainable moment for them. Um but it does feel like kind of the new vampire's wife or you know, where you just they kind of latch onto a brand and a specific look from that brand and then wear it wear it wear it. But yeah. It does give me kind of permission to do the same, right? Because I think so many times I'm like, "Oh, I was pictured in that, and I shouldn't wear it again." But I'm going to do that more. New accessories will
0: change the whole outfit. I feel like,
1: yeah. But there are they are talking about how there there was a lot of chatter about how there won't be more any more fashion ideas for Kate from the palace, which is interesting because I wonder. I guess I'm just wondering if it's a, a real choice to downplay with the cost of living crisis going on, or if it's more reminiscent of diana being getting a lot of flack for being a clothes workhorse and kate just wants that to go away but yeah
0: i feel like i see the reasoning behind why they'd want to do it but it's also sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you place such little emphasis and meaning behind what someone wears then you actually kind of say that what she's wearing doesn't matter and i think a lot of times what's celebrated about kate is that she does wear things again or she does you know where sustainable brands sometimes and i think that's where like they're missing out on so much the messaging yeah. is is what I mean, we, we don't get to hear her speak. So that's how she communicates with us. I
1: just think yeah. that's a mess for them. And when we we do hear her speak, I think we celebrate both. Like, I think women can do both. I think that it's it's OK uh, to talk about the clothes and talk about the causes because, you know, we care. It, ele- it elevates and amplifies the causes most of the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because also, like you said, there's so many messages through the clothes. Um, but Sunday, we saw Charles lead the charge for the Remembrance Day procession at the Cenotaph War Memorial with Camilla, Kate, and William. I I'm doing it here Roberta but I'm taking it to Kate's fashion again because it, to me this was you know the most striking was just her Catherine Walker dress the Diana pearl drop earrings the hat which I just I mean gosh it was just if you put her side by side with old pictures of Diana there was so much maturity, honestly, in how she appeared at, on the balcony there. Um, there was also a lot of chatter about the Bentley and Skinner brooch, which I feel like people, she got kind of a lot of flack. Again, there is a cost of living crisis going on, but it does sound like this was a gift, a birthday gift, because it was people sleuthed it out and it was purchased in January of this year was when it was up for sale. And she did turn 40 that year. Who gave it to her? I don't know. But I think Kate is allowed to have her own pieces, and yeah, it's part of the job. I don't know what are. Your I thoughts? know.
0: I I do. I see the critic's point because there are so many pieces in the Queen's collection that she could have borrowed, and it does feel like a little bit a question mark when there is such you know yeah, like you said, a crisis happening. But I think that that it's also like okay, like wear those nice, you know, who cares? Wear the nice boots that you just spent your whole paycheck on. Like, I do feel like at a certain point we can be like, Yeah, we all love fashion and we have to celebrate that. I don't know. Well,
1: she also gets so much flack sometimes, too, for, like, cosplaying Diana or, like, doing these replicas. But how does she ever strike out on her own, too, if she doesn't ever have her own pieces? Yeah, I like that, that
0: someone was like, she needs to leave a legacy of, like, here's this piece that I gave to Charlotte. Like, I just think that that's so important to pass down and – and that I don't know. We forget that sometimes. Like, is there going to be a Kate Middleton jewelry collection that's all her own? Of course there is. But I just think that yeah, it's it's like not in. I I liked someone pointed out. I think this was on Elizabeth Holmes's IG stories that fourteen thousand wasn't that much for a fine jewelry piece in the end. And <laughs> i was like, uh, budget like for that. Kind of yeah, like, I know. Oh, right? I can't even stomach Can you that right now. But okay. So, but yeah, yeah, good call out as well.
1: Yeah, I will say the men in gray. I just I know we 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 use that term, but I did really like Charles and William in the gray for that Mm -hmm. processional. I think that that is a very good flattering color on men. It just looked warm. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, they they dressed warmly for this. Buttoned up, well, well dressed. All right, one other
0: news update before Andrew Morton interview. So the counselors of state. What an interesting, uh, you know turn of events this was this week so we've heard chatter about this um all the way i mean last year when philip passed in april and william and charles were both abroad and then back in february of this year back in may when the queen passed so this always kind of bubbles up about what they're going to do about the counselors of state because of course two of those people are no longer working royals so before this rule was amended, it was the monarch's spouse and the next in line in succession that was above the age of 21. So that, of course, is Camilla, William, Harry, Andrew, and Beatrice. Actually, three of those people are not working royals since Beatrice is technically not. These people must live in the UK, which Harry, the, the loophole there, I guess, is people said that he has Frogmore Cottage still, which they pay rent on. And you always need to... to carry out anything this is like shoes there always needs to be two to function so you have to have Mm -hmm. two of them which makes it even harder if andrew of course who's not a working royal and harry who's in the u.s most of the time are not able to be called on because if william is out of the country then it's just camilla and beatrice so you can see how there's a big problem here so Charles asked the House of Lords for permission to amend and increase the number of counselors of state by two and add his siblings, Anne, who's 16th in line to the throne, and Edward, who's 13th. Then they can deputize on his behalf. They have a lifelong tenure for this. And so he asked them to grant that, you know, until Anne and Edward pass, that they're allowed to be counselors of state, which is not the same as the other counselors of state. And these people are, are authorized to carry out official duties of the sovereign, privy council meetings, opening parliament like William and Charles did for the queen in May, signing documents, et cetera. It's all like really paper-pushing boring stuff. And if, like I said, you need two. So they go, they, two people will be able to carry out these things on behalf of the sovereign. So a birthday gift to King Charles. This is basically already passed the House of Lords he has amended these regency acts so that anne and edward are added i feel like this is so well deserved on both their parts they're both workhorse royals that just especially anne like it's amazing to think that she wasn't able to step in for her brother in this case and now she can so um, i wanted to play a clip of the house of lords the message that king charles personally signed to them
2: my lords i have the honor to present to your lordships a message from His Majesty the King, signed by his own hand. The message is as follows. To ensure continued efficiency of public business when I am unavailable, such as while I'm undertaking official duties overseas, I confirm that I would be most content should Parliament see fit for the number of people who may be called upon to act as councillors of state under the terms of the Regency Acts, 1937 to 1953, to be increased to include my sister and brother, the Princess Royal, and the Earl of Wessex and Forfar, both of whom have previously undertaken this role.
0: By the way, there's like, (laughs) if you watch the video of that, there's like one guy nodding the whole time and the rest of the people are, Basically asleep, which is very much this could have been an email energy. Like I feel like Buckingham House could have just released a statement and been done with it. But no, they have to yeah. go through the right channels for this. It's a legal matter. And so this discussion is that is this sort of like the royals, especially King Charles, packing the courts? Or I and I I'm just going to answer it right now. I feel like this is a master's in diplomacy to not just cut Harry and Andrew out. What do you think?
1: Well, yeah, I feel like some of the conversations I've been following is just like, do you think, I know this is being rushed through very, very rapidly and sounds like it's going to go through, but is anyone raising those questions on the floor about wouldn't that just be what happens? It does seem like Charles is just trying to avoid that hard conversation and, and on discomfort because it's very different reasons, but like... <laughs> There is a very flagrant reason that Andrew's not a part of this. You know, he's yeah. living in the UK. So I do think it's master's in, dis- in diplomacy. I do too. I,
0: I think there would be an uproar to cut Harry out. I think, you know, they don't know what the memoir says. So I, And none of us do. So I think that that, you know, it would be wrong to kind of – and especially, like, if you just think about it from a family lens, like a father and son. Like, you're cutting him out of one of this, these biggest duties – and I don't know. I think I think you're right. I think it's just that it was smart to just add two more people, especially people so deserving of this. Yes. I have to wonder, though, for Beatrice, like she's really pushed down the ranks of this now and is never, I don't think, going to be called on to be counselor state. I don't know if she would be mad about that. I don't think so. I mean, I think that she just carries – out duties like we saw her on Remembrance Day as well um or the day before visiting the Royal British Legion she carries out duties when she can and she has a job and so i think you know she has a family she's raising sienna and so that it feels like you can't be mad about that but for kate she
1: also has put in the work does she, does she deserve to be here i don't know i guess but it's not isn't it have to be people that are in the line of succession kate isn't well, so Camilla is just the spouse of a monarch, but and she's that, that, oh right,
0: yeah, okay. So, and you're right. Yeah, I mean, and Anne and Edward are so far down the line. Like Kate's kids, mm-hmm. kids are, you know, going to be next in line to the throne. So, I yes, it, you're right. Technically, I feel like if anyone deserves it,
1: she also does. But. But that'll right. all be rejiggered when William is king, correct? Exactly. Like we'll have a place in that. Exactly. So fascinating. Right, like kind of like one. It feels like one of those things that you're like sliding it through, right? Yeah. <laughs> like
0: really quickly. Nothing to see here. Huge
1: change, but yeah. anything that elevates Anne is fine with me. Same. Same.
0: And now our conversation with author Andrew Morton. We're lucky enough to be joined by Andrew Morton. You may have seen him recently on Netflix. Well, he was acted by Andrew Steele. As a reminder, he's the journalist who Princess Diana trusted to tell her side of the story, which became the New York Times bestseller, Diana, Her True Story. He's also written numerous biographies about the royals. His latest is The Queen, Her Life, which is out this week. It's actually out today, the day we're recording. So congrats on the book, Andrew, and thank you so much for joining
4: us. Thank you very much. It's, uh, yeah, an exciting day.
1: It's an exciting month for you, too. I mean, really? I feel like with The Crown, there's so much going on. You're everywhere.
4: <laughs> I know. It's been great. with With uh, It's been a real trip down memory lane, I have to say, um, uh, watching myself on The Crown, interacting with Elizabeth Debicki, who plays um, Diana. It was quite kind of unnerving because it took you back 30 years to all that time when I was interviewing her for the book. Well,
0: that's what we kind of wanted to kick things off with is before we get into the book... The Crown Season 5. So we want to hear how would you rate Andrew Steele's performance and what it's like to see that story play out on screen for you.
4: I thought Andrew Steele was, seemed very compassionate and thoughtful and, and credible as a, as a writer. And I think that, that, that they were trying to convey the sense that, that I was someone that she could trust, which, of course, she could and, and she did. And I found the whole thing... Obviously, uh, authentic because I'd been one of the consultants on it, Uh, and it could have been even more dramatic because so many other things happened. But they've only got so many hours to tell the story.
0: What are some of those other things? I mean, what could we saw the break-in? We saw, you know, James Coulter's being pushed off the bike. What? else could they have included those
4: dramatic moments? Well, there was really at the start when uh, James said, I've got a tape recording for you to listen to. And I met him in a working man's cafe in North London, suitably out of the way, furtive meeting. And I put these headphones on, not like these little white things, but big ones. And all around me, all these memory, uh, were uh, eating their bacon and eggs. And I was listening to Dinah tell her story of woe uh, about her desperation, her sense of isolation, about a woman called Camilla, about her eating disorders. It was, you know, (laughs) I thought she might want to say something about her charity work, not a bit of it. And it was like, it really was like entering a parallel universe where you had a a secret and that secret was quite a dangerous one. Mm
1: -hmm. That must have been so staggering. I
4: mean, it was, uh, was, uh, you know, it took a while to even absorb because... You know, at the time, I like everybody else, I believed in the fairy tale that Charles and Diana were, you know, they had two children, they seemed reasonably happy, and I'd followed them on tours, they seemed OK. I mean, you know, no great fireworks, certainly after the early years, but nonetheless they seemed to have a working partnership, but not, not a bit of it. I mean, as I discovered, Prince Charles, now King Charles, was living effectively living with another man's wife at Highgrove. Wow. And Diana was in despair. Wow! So
0: we see, kind of, um, you've obviously seen the season. We see a little bit of the hints of phone tapping. We obviously, like I mentioned, saw this breaking in of your office. The camera that got stolen. I know you mentioned that. Is there, were there other moments like that that kind of gave you, you know, the goosebumps or, or made you question what was going on?
4: Well, it was, it was you know, more taking precautions. So, for example, I'd use pay phones rather than use my office phone to speak to James. And it was interesting as well, when you saw the Panorama episode, they all decamped to Bournemouth to do the editing of, this, of the Bashir interview. And that's because they felt that they were being watched. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that sense of paranoia, that sense of, of dread is very, is very quickly quite pervasive.
0: How was it consulting for the show? I mean, are they fact checking you? What's required of that job?
4: It's quite fun, actually. It, it, it's like a, a Zoom meeting like this with four or five people, and they ask you questions like, What was the color of your daughter's wallpaper? Because I had an office in there. You know, wow. what month was this? What month was that? And, you know, what, one of the things which I've, which kind of astounded me was that when Dinah was reading the copy, that I'd sent to her it was on what I used to I used to have an agency I called it Palace Press it was on Palace Press grey notepaper with the same typeface as the, as the computer printer that I used which was I think Times New Roman wow. so so that attention to detail was you know it kind of blew me away
0: it's almost eerie, probably, to watch that all play out on screen.
4: Well, it's like seeing a ghost after 30 years. It, yeah. it really was. I mean, wow. Diana. I mean, the, the who plays Diana. Wow, she was just astonishing.
1: We were just talking about that. It's unbelievable. It's uncanny the likeness. Yeah.
4: Well, I, I saw her on The Night Manager a few years ago, and I said to my wife, "That will be the next Diana for the Crown," wow. and, I, and I was right. It. And because she's got that. that that kind of rangy walk and, and, and kind of the eyes down, the eyes up, uh, flirtatious look. But also the, the speech patterns were absolutely identical. I mean, it did help that there are various tapes, uh, extracts of tapes around that she can listen to.
0: And although you did consult for the show, is there anything they got wrong about the portrayal of you or the events around uh, your book, Diana, Her True Story?
4: Well, the first question is, they said, was, why are you cooperating with Andrew? Why do you want to speak to him? Why are you doing this? Yeah. And she comes out with a reason. Well, I never asked her, why are you doing this? For the simple reason she might have thought, yeah, why am I doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get out. <laughs> so,
1: that does so, seem really funny as like, would you ask that question? No, you just want the story. You're a journalist. No, yeah.
4: well, well, you know, the point is the strategy worked. I didn't meet her. She didn't meet me. I sent her questions. She did say to James, "What does Andrew think?" About on lots of occasions. So I was in her mind like a referee in, in, on various issues, and being the kind of voice of reason in the background, it kind of it kind of worked.
1: What do you make of the backlash against the series and the request for the disclaimer and all this hubbub that has gone on in the weeks leading up to the premiere of the of season five? Is it justified in your opinion?
4: No, it's absolute tosh. I mean, uh, I have to say that John Major and Tony Blair were bounced into making statements about something they'd never seen, which, you know, as as a public figure, they should never have done. You know, Prince Charles and his meeting with uh, John Major, of course, talking about the uh, possible abdication of the Queen, didn't happen. But it was part of, in the context, part of the drama, and a, a made up drama about prince charles wanting to take over the monarchy and make it more progressive i mean he comes across quite frankly as as the hero of the piece questing mm-hmm. dynamic progressive thoughtful you know i mean there's even a, a an infomercial for the prince's trust at the end of one episode yeah. so I don't know what, I think Peter Morgan was after his, his after his peerage. So, I mean, I'd turn it on its head. Yeah. He, he, was, he, was, he was way too kind to Prince Charles.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you had like Judy Denchwing and you had a lot of people talking about it.
4: All of whom hadn't watched it. Yeah. (laughs)
1: do you have any regrets be like, cause you, like you said, you're flashing back 30 years and not just the dramatization, but do you have any regrets about watching your role in history kind of play out on screen? I mean, it must be very surreal in that capacity. Well, no, I mean,
4: actually it's been, it's taken them forever to work this out. I mean, there are, there was a film made about how the book was done 2004 called the biographer, Mm -hmm. but it was very little seen. Uh, Faye Dunaway was in it. Brian Cox played my publisher. Um, Paul McGann played me, and uh, but I think it was shown in Germany and possibly on Sky TV, but but not not it wasn't widely uh, re- released or reviewed. I mean, obviously, The Crown because of its pedigree, it's it's kind of an honour to be part of it. And yeah. uh, but no, I've got no regrets at all. I mean, you know, it's um, overripe for a, a story to be done. I mean, you know, if you look at. The way TV is going, there are all kinds of dramas about real life events, which are recent. I mean, a very British scandal, for example, about the, the Jeremy Thorpe, the leader of the Liberal Party, and there are many others. Um, and this is this is one of them, one of that trend. It's probably the most noticeable of that trend because it creates so much fuss.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Very true. I think the casting for you, they did so well. Did you have any input in that at all? Were no, you able to be no. like, this guy's the one? No. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that no. would have been kind I, of.
4: I, I wish. No, yeah. it's um, very much their show. I, I was, I, they didn't um, send me a script or anything and say, what do you mm-hmm. think to this?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's quite a thing. But,
4: uh, yeah. but it was fun. I mean, I, I, I found it fun. It's just, it makes a difference from tracking down footnotes for books.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: totally. When did, when did the Zoom meetings for asking you to consult, when did those start? Was that a long time ago that they were prepping for oh, this? Or?
4: Yeah, I think so. It's during COVID. So wow. it would be the COVID year. I mean, I, I think we've all kind of blanked that year out of our brains. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for
1: sure. Um, for sure.
4: <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was a couple of years, two or three years ago.
3: Wow.
0: We definitely want to talk about The Queen, Her Life, your new book that's out today. And- I watched the Today Show today, and the queen, I love the story you told about tourists not being able to recognize the queen, and sometimes they'd see her and tell her that you look an awful lot like the queen. And her response was, oh, that's reassuring. So I love that. made me chuckle. So what other tales from the book can our listeners find that make the queen so endearing and enduring, I
4: guess? Well, let me, let, let me actually develop that story. Yeah, you'll how, how tell it reassuring.
0: better.
4: Please do. <laughs> because it's not... I, I was, I've been speaking to a couple of uh, the Queen's former bodyguards over the last few months, and they all say the same thing. That was not unique. And it wasn't like a one-off. It happened a lot. It happened in Canada, happened in, in Scotland, happened in England. And one of the best stories was is told by a, a former bodyguard called Dick Griffin, who's, who says that, he and the Queen were out for a little picnic, just on their own. And two American hill walkers, two hikers, came through the Balmoral Estate, through the Heather, through one of the paths, came across them, and they passed the time of day, didn't recognize the Queen at all. And as they were chatting, they said to Dick, oh, I said to the Queen, do you uh, do you come here often? And, they said, and the Queen said, oh yes, I've been coming here for 80 years. And she says, I've got a, uh, a place over in the next valley and they said oh well if you've been coming for that long you must have you must have met the queen then and the queen and the queen said no i haven't but dick here has and 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 the man and one of the of the, of the american couple the man said to dick um, oh have you met have you met the queen then and he said yes it's she like and he says, and dick says oh she's got a great sense of humor but she can be very grumpy and at that the american Hiker took his camera out, gave it to the Queen, and said, "Will you take our picture?" And and so oh because he, he 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 thought that uh, uh, Dick had proximity to the Queen, he took the picture, and they and off they went. Not for a minute, thinking <laughs> that the Queen was in fact the Queen. She's just, just some nice, pleasant old lady that they'd met. <laughs> and, and she and she said to Dick afterwards, "I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they realise who took that picture." <laughs>
0: They'd be kicking themselves. Oh, when They tell their friends. Yeah.
4: So if that that story is is, is true, because Dick, Dick, uh, who was the Queen's bodyguard, told it, and I'd love if anybody was anybody was listening who said, "Yeah, I I remember that, and I've got the picture."
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know, but like we talked about, this has been just you know. I think the fall we the Queen's death was something that we knew would ultimately have to happen but i think the fall really took us all by surprise still and i think you know for you what was it like to put um to have this book come out and you know on the heels of kind of a whirlwind september with that change for the monarchy
4: well yeah it was it was it was almost like the stars were aligned um the the book wasn't due to come out until april and i ironically i I'd, I'd added to it anyway because of the the uh Uh, platinum jubilee and Mm -hmm. all the events surrounding that and i'd actually presage some of the things which have just happened recently i i I said in in the epilogue that um king charles would would have to uh, sort out the councillors of state and bring in edward and and anne and obviously because um andrew and uh, harry are no longer working members of the royal family Mm -hmm. yeah and and so it has come to pass
0: yeah, even, I think that was just yesterday that that news. Yeah. Just yesterday, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Well, Parliament
4: had to pass it.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and speaking of King Charles as king, I mean, what are your predictions? What are your thoughts? What would Diana say, do you think?
4: Diana, as you know, said to me and also said in Panorama that she didn't think that King Prince Charles was fit to be king and he wasn't ready for the top job. I think that, uh, and that, the, that the crown should skip a generation. I think that there are still people who think that, and and maybe believe that, but I think that their time has come and gone. I think you know Camilla's been around for uh, many years now, seventeen years married to King Charles. The Queen herself wanted her to be the Queen, and uh, and and said as much. So I think that going forwards, that the the ground has been pretty well laid for King Charles's reign. It will be interesting to see how the the coronation pans out because, mm-hmm. you know, the the Queen's coronation was was very much a copy of her father's coronation and which was a copy of George V's coronation. So it was quite... It, there hadn't been much, if any, reform, whereas this time it's going to be an hour as opposed to four hours. There's not going to be the kind of aristocrats, ranks of aristocrats in ermine there. It's It's probably going to represent more of a multicultural, multi-faith Britain, even though he's going to be the head of the Church of England. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how his reign defines King Charles III going forwards. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I know. I feel like we're very, you know, optimistic, I think, so far, so good with seeing kind of how he's handled a lot of these situations. And we're seeing, I think one thing that's unique is we are seeing more vulnerability from Charles. I think we're, you know, we're seeing a little bit more of his human side, which I know you've likely noticed as well.
4: Yes, yes, indeed. In fact, my daughter, Lydia, was one of the first people to shake his hands when they went on their first walkabout outside Buckingham Palace. And she was standing nearby where the woman who kissed him was. I and saw then a, oh, a few amazing. days a few days later, he's kissed by another one. Now I thought to myself, well, you wouldn't get anybody daring to do that with the Queen, would you? <laughs> so, so you are seeing a, a different, a rather more touchy-feely monarch than her late Majesty.
1: Yeah. What about William and Kate's role in and all? Do you think? Do you have any predictions in that sphere with how William will kind of be more of a presence? We see Kate popping up at so many. You know, events. Everyone's saying that there's a lot of pressure on her.
4: Well, I mean, th- there is pressure on on them. They they're doing pretty heavy lifting now in in the royal world, and trying to bring up three kids. So and trying to be not f- sending them off to boarding school, having them live at home, and um, you know, so they have they've got a pretty full diary.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I thinking about boarding school. I feel like now less there's going to be less uh, Christmases at the Middletons and more at Sandringham, it seems like they're definitely gearing up to be just always in Charles and Camilla's orbit seems like, Um, but we'll have to see. We need to ask you though, Prince Harry's memoir, Spare, comes out in January. What are your thoughts?
4: Well, it's going to be an interesting uh, exercise. I mean, you know, he's got a lot to say about initially about the, about his mother's funeral, about uh, obviously the clue is in the title, Spare. He's obviously referring to the fact that he was the spare to the throne, the um, Williams uh, wingman, as it were. And um, it will probably presumably deal with his r- relationship with his brother mm-hmm. and his father. Will it affect the coronation? I, I doubt it. I mean, I know that the, the palace are on tenterhooks about you know, controversies surrounding King Charles and the crown... Having been navigated, I'm sure that they've got enough time to navigate past uh, whatever Harry has to say.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it'll be a busy, uh, busy couple of months. I know we're anticipating also the docuseries from Harry and Meghan as well. So a lot to a lot to look forward to at the end of this year and into 2023 with the coronation and everything, too. Yeah, um, we did want to ask you one last opinion about the crown. <laughs> Do <laughs> you think that Dominic West is too handsome to play King Charles? I feel like this is just a refrain that is going through royal <laughs> fans, Instagram audience, lots of discourse about this. What are your What is your opinion there?
4: Yeah, he. he I mean, you know, Dominic West is, was born to play Lady Chatterley's lover. You know, he's kind of <laughs> the, he's the he's the randy gamekeeper, and he's 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 not got that kind of diffidence that King Charles has. Um, He's just, you know, 110% testosterone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he wears the role well. Like, I feel like I'm believing so far, but I I think he's very, very handsome. (laughs) It's very generous of Peter Morgan. I feel like that.
4: (laughs) Well, I have to say, I have to say, yeah, Peter Morgan's, uh, as I said earlier, you know, he's, he's turned all these people whinging on about, Uh, prince charles's characterization you couldn't have a more progressive intelligent thoughtful sensitive caring human being than the the prince charles painted by peter morgan
0: well thank you andrew so much for joining us this was such a delight to talk to you again and we uh, the queen her life is out today and uh we're doing a giveaway which is exciting on our instagram so everyone go enter that and thank you for joining us andrew
4: Thanks for inviting me and nice to talk to you.
0: Bye. Before we adjourn the royal pot, here are our highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. My low is just this like weird timing of everything and that, you know, of course we're gonna see the Waleses in Boston. We are personally going to see them, which I'm excited about. But they're going to be there on behalf of the JFK Library, where Earthshot is held. Caroline Kennedy is hosting. And Harry and Meghan are going to be in New York as well at the same time at the Ripple of Hope Awards, which is for Robert F. Kennedy. So kind of weird. The Kennedys bring the Royals over to the Northeast, and yet there's no plans to see each other. That's where I'm kind of just, that's my low. Yeah, it's really like that's a, little bit a sad. great
1: low. It is a huge low. Ugh. Um, Milo is kind of random, but I don't know if you saw Roberta today. William was put on the spot about rooting for England over Wales in the World Cup. I just feel like he should be allowed to support his childhood team. I get that it's like talking about diplomacy, right? Like there's complications there. He's now Prince of Wales, but... We all adopt a team for various reasons as children. Like, just because I moved to New York City, should I now be a Yankees fan or a Mets fan? No, I'm still a Red Sox fan. Like, I think that you're allowed, but he was, he did such a great job kind of handling it and being like, you know, I happily support Wales over England in the rugby, so I've got to play carefully with my affiliations he's also added i worry otherwise if i suddenly drop england to support wales that that doesn't look right for the sport either so i can't do that but it's you know the person he was speaking with said we can agree to disagree so i actually
0: thought you'd make this your high because i feel like it falls in line with what we said earlier in the episode which is that addressing things head on and not letting them yes. simmer and talking about it out in the open i was like oh I that's great totally address it on the
1: spot I, you know what, Roberta? You are absolutely right. I did have that thought as well. I just, my low it's was a high, there. kind of. It's a high low. Yeah. yeah. I, good for William, but also just let him have his sports team. Yeah. That's my low. My high is
0: Britney Spears. And I love when I had to say something that's so random in a royal podcast. But Britney Spears posted a quote from Meghan Markle from Archetypes podcast. The quote is: "You're allowed to set a boundary. You're allowed to be clear. It does not make you demanding. It does not make you difficult." And I, I can't help but think of so many parallels between Megan and Brittany, the conservatorship, kind of because you know Megan felt trapped within the royal family, but also the daddy issues and I feel like that's downplaying everything that both of them have lived through but just like Jamie Spears I don't know I, I need I, to read
1: that piece about Jamie in the cut side note
0: <laughs> it yeah. kind
1: of delves into his history I have that saved. I haven't read and it my, either I need to Looks so good well and mine is just a total random high but Mariah Carey watching the crown look at us I two mean glorious <laughs>
0: artists our highs. yes
1: I think the Grammy Awards came out or nominations came out this week too so on you know thinking of those songstresses but uh just her setup for the crown with the old season playing on one screen the new season on the other the tiara that should be all of us watching the crown
0: that was incredible i want to i want to like go to mariah's house and watch with her next season
1: roberta let's do that (laughs) we didn't do it for this one but next season the final just a
0: reminder before we close leave us a royal rating here is a rating from lisa she says you ladies knock it out of the park each week. Fairness, fashion, and facts—what more could you want? Keep going! You were the bright spot in my week. XOXO, Lisa from Pennsylvania. Shout out, PA. Woo-hoo. I love it. Thank you so much. A lot much, of Lisa. fashion in this episode. So fairness, fashion, facts. What was your RRR? Regency, Rothy's, and Remembrance Day. Oh, yeah, good. I know you like that stuff, Roberta. Love it. <laughs> Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please leave us a review like Lisa's. We love it. Clearly, I mean, obviously our tone right now makes our weeks. You can send us an email info at gallerypodcast.com. And till next week, God save the pod.
1: That was a good one. Her majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.